So we do want to welcome everyone. Uh, I know we have some visitors in the house today for a very special occasion. Anthony, we got some of your family here with us this morning. All right. Well, welcome. Very, very excited to see Lakeland be dedicated later this morning. Such a beautiful little girl. And uh, hey, how's it going, Pinetes? Good to see you guys again, everybody. All right. All right. Well, I am glad that you are here. Is there anybody else that may be here visiting for the first time? Just want to welcome you. Hope you feel welcomed. Let you know we love you guys. We care about you. More than anything, we pray that God would let you know that he is alive and well, and he loves you, and he is pursuing you, um, and his love does not have prerequisites that you have to meet in order for him to love you. He just loves you. That's who he is. Amen. So uh, we are in a series right now called The Way of Wisdom. How many of you desire to be wise in life? Let me see your hands go up. Anybody desire to be wise in life? Amen. I think we all desire to be wise in life because the opposite of being wise is being a what? A fool. Who wants to be a fool? Now, I know like in my generation, that's what we used to call each other a lot. Nah, fool. Like we used to say that a lot. All right. Um, but nobody wants to actually be a fool. Nobody wants to be made a fool. Right. Who here gets uh, angered when somebody tries to make you look like a fool? Right. You get Nacho Libre style. Right. You made me look like a fool last night. Get that corn out of my face. Right. <clears throat> nobody wants to be made foolish. Um, and, and when we are believers and when we are people who put our trust and our hope and our faith in God, we turn to God for wisdom. Uh, and the Bible outlines for us that there are two types of wisdom. There is the wisdom that comes from God, and then there is worldly wisdom, which ultimately is foolishness. And so we have been in this series called The Way of Wisdom because um, we're coming out of the series where we talked about reverence to God. Well, reverence of God, the fear of the Lord, is the foundation for wisdom. So what is this godly wisdom that you're talking about, Jonathan? What is this godly wisdom you're talking about? Wisdom is a gift from God so that man may be pleasing to him. Wisdom is skill in living according to God's way as revealed in his word. What is wisdom? Wisdom gives us the ability to judge correctly and apply the best course of action based on knowledge and understanding of God's word. Amen. A wise person sees things as God does through the lens of his word. Wisdom is expressed in righteous actions, righteous attitudes, and righteous values that please God. That is wisdom. There are two paths that we can follow. Everybody say two paths. The way of wisdom or the way of folly. Those who choose the path of wisdom follow the moral order that God has prescribed. Those who choose the way of folly are unable or unwilling to follow God's way. You know, Jesus kind of echoed this message of two paths. He said, broad is the way that many follow, right? 
but narrow is the path of righteousness. The broad path leads to destruction, but the narrow path leads to eternal life. A fool is described as a wicked person, someone who has wicked behavior and they deviate from God's will. But wisdom leads to a life of blessing while foolishness leads to a life of death. So today we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 2. Somebody go with me to Proverbs chapter 2. When you get there, say amen. Don't put it up on the screens yet. You can get it on your phone too. Just stay in the Bible app. Don't go to everything else, okay? Now is not the time to do your Amazon shopping, okay? Now let's use some wisdom, okay? It's not time to be checking who's been looking at your Snapchat or your Instagram followers or for us older people, your Facebook likes. <clears throat> you know, Facebook is now for older generation. Nobody below a millennial likes Facebook. <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. When you get there, say amen. Are you there? Are you there? Oh, y'all are quiet this morning. Anybody at Proverbs chapter 2? All right. Y'all ready for some wisdom? Proverbs chapter 2, we're going to go verses 1 through 4 to start. It says, my son, so think about this as a parent speaking to their child, someone who is wise speaking to their child. He says, my son, I can look at my, my oldest son is here this, today because he's in junior high now, okay? My son, I can look at him and tell him this. If you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures, I'm going to stop right there because I, I kind of want to highlight what we see here as, as the father is giving the son advice, he gives three imperative statements. In other words, statements that require action on behalf of the son. And so he gives these three if statements, right? He says, my son, if you receive my words and treasure up. So to receive and to treasure up. In other words, to find value in the words. There is value in God's word. Amen? And this reception is not just an acknowledgement that I heard you. This reception is something that causes you to act in response to these things. Okay? How many parents get driven wild when your parents, I mean, when your kids only acknowledge you and they don't do what you ask them to do? Anybody? Sometimes that happens. You ask your kid to do something, they say, yes, they're going to do it, and then they don't. Maybe it's not even just the kid. Sometimes it's within the household and it's the spouse. Sometimes my wife will ask me to do something. I'll walk to the next room and forget what she asked me to do, right? That happened to anybody else? What am I supposed to be doing again? I'm lost. I just, it's like you just, it was 10 seconds ago, man. What's wrong? That is not received, okay? Nor is that treasured up. 
The three imperative statements, receive and treasure up. In other words, don't be dismissive about the instruction, but truly desire the wisdom that he's about to give you, right? Then it says, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, the active role is on the individual here. This is on us. This is our action to call out. This is basically to to say, I'm so desperate for something, it's almost as if your life completely depends on it. I'm calling out for this wisdom, for this understanding. I need help. Because the times that we call out for help are when we desperately need something, right? Many of us don't ask for help in any situation because we're like, no, 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 it's okay. I'm going to be fine. It's okay. But the times that we do call out, people respond because it's rare for you to call out, right? It's rare for you to ask someone for help. If somebody's asking you for help, you know, oh, I better, man, they really need some help because they usually don't ask for help, right? So this is the active role on the individual to stress the importance as if life depends on it. Call out for understanding. Call out for insight. And then the third imperative statement that is given is to seek. Search for it. If you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasure... Some of you young people, this is like mining in Minecraft. You have to go seeking for it. You have to go look for it. Ah, y'all get the reference. I see the smiles. Okay, yes. Cha-ching. I'm I'm getting to uh, meet them on their level. I still don't understand that game, though. I do not understand the game because there's, like, games within the game, and it just makes me feel old. But one thing I do understand is that wisdom That is being laid out here from the father to the son. He's saying you're not going to obtain wisdom unless you are willing to receive it and treasure it up. You're not going to receive wisdom unless you're willing to call out for it. And you're not going to receive wisdom unless you're seeking it. Unless you are seeking for wisdom, you're not going to find it. So he tells them these are the three things that are important for you to gain wisdom. Desire it. Call out for it. And search it out. Amen? There is an active role because the reward makes the work worthwhile. Seek wisdom because the reward will be worthwhile. Amen? Let's go to Proverbs chapter 2 verses 5 through 8 now. So as he gives him these three imperative statements, this is what he tells him is going to happen. He says, then in verse five, he says, then you will have, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God for the Lord gives wisdom. Amen. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. There is value, there is a reward that comes with searching, seeking, valuing, calling out for wisdom. 
I think it's interesting, though, that the first response to this, these three imperative statements is not what you would expect to find. He says, at the first result, he says, the Lord, the quest for wisdom, understanding, and insight brings one to the place where you have fear of the Lord. Now, is this where you're afraid of God? No, it would say afraid. Fear of the Lord is that reverence where you know that you should be following God's ways, where you know that God knows what is best for you, where you have that reverence and desire to follow what God teaches us and what he tells us. He says, the fear of the Lord. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. There's a promise tied right to it. You will understand the fear of the Lord, not to be afraid, but to understand the fear of the Lord, the reverence of God, how good God really is towards you, how, how God really does want to work all things out for your good, how, how God is not just a God of, of, of a bunch of rules that say, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, but what he's really after is for your good. There are things that he has placed in you that he needs to kind of draw out sometimes. And so everything that is going on in life is leading towards your good when you're following God, when you're seeking his wisdom. Knowledge that he talks about here to find the knowledge of God. Knowledge is much more than just intellectual apprehension. This is so much more than just reading the textbook, memorizing enough of it to be able to pass an exam to get a grade and move on. This is more than just intellectual apprehension. This knowledge is a way of knowing that permeates your entire being. This touches the emotions and the will and it requires the commitment of the whole person. This is the kind of knowledge we're talking about. The knowledge of God. The Lord gives wisdom. And then we have a list of benefits. The first benefit we see is once the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding, it says he stores up sound wisdom for the upright. Do you know what that means to store up? There's going to be a bank that you can go draw from of wisdom when you need it. Because God stores up wisdom for you in the different situations you encounter in life. You're not going to be left to be made a fool, in other words. There's going to be a bank that you can go draw from to have wisdom in certain situations or in all situations in life. Amen? He's ready to give you wisdom for all areas of life. Then we begin to see the character of God show up because the second part of verse 7 says, He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. Then we see he is guarding the paths of, the, of justice. And he is watching over the way of his saints. 
So we see the character of God become a shield. He is a guard and he is our watchman. The character of God are these three things, but then we see the character of the individual of the son who is seeking this wisdom. And what happens to the one who is seeking wisdom? They are upright. They are full of integrity. They are people who walk in justice. And they are people who are considered to be God's saints. Wisdom is valuable. Wisdom is what we should desire. Wisdom is what we should seek. Wisdom is what we should call out for. Wisdom is what we should desire to obtain. The search for wisdom brings these wonderful gifts of knowledge, especially the knowledge of God, and as a result, the protection one needs to walk on the way. At least part of that knowledge is that God is our guardian. Amen? Let's go to verses 9 through 11. As we continue reading here, it says, Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you and understanding will guard you. Ooh, these are some things that benefit, that come, that benefit us that come from wisdom. Amen. There is an effect from the wisdom that comes from the Lord and it helps you understand these three things. It helps you understand what is right, what is just, and what is fair. Those are great qualities to have. Amen? God teaches us what is right, what is just, and what is fair. And I like that he describes that wisdom will come into your heart. Wisdom enters the heart. Why the heart? Is it your physical pump that is moving blood throughout your body? No, he's talking about the heart, the core of who you are, where your decisions lie, where your convictions lie, where where the root of your decisions are made, the, the foundation for how you view the world, what where that lies, how you're going to respond, how you're going to react, all those different things, the heart, the core of who you are, that's the heart. And he says wisdom enters the heart. If we only look for the effects of wisdom and do not want the core of who we are to be affected by it, then we have it all wrong. If we only want the benefits of wisdom but we don't really want to be wise, then we have it all wrong. Our view of God then becomes a distorted view of God that's really more like God becomes Santa Claus. As long as I behave, God give me good stuff, right? And we do not become wise to these things. Understanding, well, let me go, I'm, I'm skipping ahead, sorry. The fear of the Lord has to get our heart. 
then the benefits of wisdom will have a lifelong effect. Knowledge will be pleasant to the soul. Ooh, I love that. Knowledge is pleasant to the soul. He says, you will gain discretion, which will protect you. Discretion, that's how you handle any situation you encounter. Use discretion. Have you ever heard that phrase before? Use discretion when going to do this. Use discretion. Discretion. How you handle any particular situation says, let it be led by the Lord. How you handle different situations, let it be led by the Lord. Amen? Understanding will guard you. Godly understanding, right? Godly understanding is a good thing because godly understanding helps you see past just what's immediately in front of you and lets you kind of see the bigger effect that this decision could have. Because the reality is a lot of us lacking in wisdom in certain areas of life respond to only what is in front of us and we don't realize the effect that it's going to have beyond that. Amen? How many of us have been fools before? And we've been foolish in certain things. Um, A person who lacks understanding is a fool. So understanding will guard you. Well, a person who lacks understanding is a fool. Um, Don't always be a fool, fool. All right? I've been a fool. I've been a fool many times. I've been foolish. Irving talked about fantasy football a few uh, weeks ago, and I've been a fool in my fantasy football draft. We started doing that auction style a couple years ago, and I think it's like a money thing. Like I'm going to keep the auction money in the draft. So basically what they do is they give you so many, they call it dollars. It might as well be points. could be anything, right, to go um, after the players that you want. So everybody has a chance to go after their players that they want, right? So if... if um, If C.J. Stroud is available and I have $200 available, I can spend all up to $200 unless I've got to fill my roster out, so let me spend it all. But I could spend up to $180 on C.J. Stroud just to get him on my team, to make sure he's on my team, right? Well, in years past, I've been a fool where I've waited, and I've got like $50 left over to go after my kicker or my defense, and it's, it's full because the rest of my roster suffered because I was not doing anything. Okay, this one's not, this is not a good example. Okay. Sorry, not a good example. Um, I, I have been a fool in life uh, when it comes to finances, personal finances. Uh, the Bible tells us a fool devours all that he has. And for a lot of my young adult life up to 2017, um, I was a fool with my finances. I would spend everything I earned. I would never save there would, I mean, it was very little savings, if any, and it would be, I'm going to spend as much as I earn. And sometimes these credit card people are really smart about convincing me that it's going to be a good decision for me to go spend more than I earn because I can pay it back in payments. And I got in way too deep. A hundred and how many thousand dollars were we in consumer debt? 
$107,000 we were in consumer debt, credit cards, car payments, student loans, all these different things. And it felt like there was no way out. I was a fool. I devoured everything I had. And then I went and asked other people for their money so I could get an even further foolishness. And then I asked them for it and I said, don't worry, I'll give you interest on top of me being a fool. I was a fool. I devoured everything I had. Didn't set money, like like there was never going to be an emergency where I needed money. Like I was that kind of fool. I was even foolish. You know how your tires need to be changed every so often? You know tires don't just wear out one day to the next. They don't surprise you that they're going bald, right? It's not like you walked outside, oh my God, they're bald now? No, it's like a gradual, it's like super slow to wear out your tires. And oh my God, I'm not ready for my tires to be changed. Oh my God, oh my God. Hopefully they let me finance it. Hopefully they'll let me finance it. I've been a fool. Foolish spending, yep, absolutely. Not considering that there may be an emergency one day. Not considering the effect of buying something I really can't afford just because the bank says I can afford the payment. Where the thing I believe is going to be a blessing now becomes a huge burden and it's not a blessing and it's just weighing me down and, and it's causing all kinds of strife in life. That's a fool. I was foolish. But godly wisdom has a different effect. Godly wisdom being led by and filled with the Holy Spirit puts us on the right path. Amen? Because there is an enemy that wants to make us fools. Here's what godly wisdom and understanding do. Let's go verses 12 through 19 of Proverbs chapter 2. Godly wisdom and understanding, verse 12 says, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. So you will be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house sinks down to death and her paths to the departed. None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. Do you know what godly wisdom and understanding will keep you from? It'll keep you from the wicked men. It'll keep you from the adulterous woman. Notice that the young man is to be saved from the ways of the wicked men. 
The danger lies not in what the men will do to the young man, but in their invitation to join them in their ways. Let me say that again. Notice how the enemy works. They don't do this to the young man. They invite him into their ways. Wisdom provides protection from that seduction. Or how it says the adulterous woman with her smooth words. The smooth words that used to appear as wise before you knew the Lord. Man, there are some people who've got some smooth words out there. Maybe there's some people in your life that, man, they've got some smooth ways to convince you to do some things that are completely apart from God. They can be smooth and convince you that they are wise. That's the enemy. He is, he is cunning. He is sharp. He is smart. He knows your weaknesses. He knows what words to tell you. He knows how to get you to believe something that's completely a lie as if it were true because he is seductive. And very, very cunning with his words. And he's so good at it that sometimes he'll make you think a way that leads to destruction is the wise path to take. He'll make you believe all kinds of lies. And the way he's going to leave you is depressed, alone, and in ruin. make you believe these lies and leave you in a life of ruin. And if you go around this room and ask some of the people who you know are wise, I'm sure they'll tell you of how God has completely saved them, transformed them, turned their lives around to where they used to fall into these foolish ways, but now because the wisdom that comes from God, they are no longer victim to those things, but now God is causing their lives to have a completely different effect. Amen? So what does wisdom do? Wisdom keeps you on the right path. Amen? Wisdom keeps us on the right path. Let's go to verses 20 through 22. Verse 20 says, So you will walk in the way of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous. For the upright will inhabit the land and those with integrity will remain in it, but the wicked will be cut off from the land and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. The final reward for seeking wisdom that we read here in Proverbs chapter 2 is good company walking together on the paths of the righteous. Amen? Walk on the paths of righteousness. We can say that righteousness and it's, it is its own reward 
and we would be right. We could say that righteousness alone is its own reward and we would be right. But the conclusion of this long instruction also mentions the reward of life in the land. So why doesn't he just leave it at verse 20? Why doesn't he just leave it uh, there? Why doesn't he just end right there? Why doesn't he just say, so you will walk in the way of the good and keep the paths of the righteous and end the chapter there? No, he goes on to elaborate even further and mentions the reward of life in the land. He said, verse 21 says, for the upright will inhabit the land and those with integrity will remain in it, in this land. What does that mean? Well, for ancient Israel, for the Hebrew nation, land was not considered a possession as much as a privilege. It wasn't something to just have, but it was a privilege to have because the inhabitants of the land lived on it not as overlords but as stewards, enjoying the fruits of their labor that were produced by the land because of their obedience to God. They got to live in a place where when they remained obedient to God, they were blessed. They were blessed so much that the nations around them were jealous of their blessing and wanted to constantly overtake them. They lived constantly with people trying to overcome them, trying to take them over because they were so prosperous in the land that they were living that God had given them. And when they were obedient to God, man, the fruit was unlike any other fruit. It was huge. It was a prosperous land. As a matter of fact, when they were wandering around in the wilderness, well, that's a tongue twister, wandering around. But I almost said it wrong. I almost said it like Elmer Fudd. A wandering around. <clears throat> they were wandering around in the wilderness. And when they went to go spy on the land that God had promised them, they saw how abundant it was. The fruits of the vine were large, bigger than anything they had ever seen. It looked like it was too good to be true. They couldn't believe that this was the land that God was going to give them to live in. So you will walk in the way of good and keep the paths of the righteous. For the upright will inhabit the land and those with integrity will remain in it. There is a reward, not only righteousness, but also inhabiting the land that God had promised. Godly wisdom does this. You know, godly wisdom affects so many areas of life. Godly wisdom affects the area of life where you need guidance and direction. Proverbs chapter 2, verses 6 through 7, as we already read, says, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright, and he is a shield to those who walk in integrity. Godly wisdom provides insights and understanding that helps us as individuals make sound decisions 
and navigate the complexities of life. Amen? It offers guidance on moral, ethical, and spiritual matters, and it allows us as people to choose paths that align with godliness. Amen? That is what wisdom does. The other effect that wisdom has is on our character development. Proverbs chapter 4, verses 7 and 8 says, The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Though it costs all you have, get understanding, cherish her, and she will exalt you. Embrace her, and she will honor you. Pursuing godly wisdom fosters personal growth and character development. It encourages qualities such as humility, patience, compassion, integrity, which are essential for building a meaningful life. Amen? The third area that wisdom affects is conflict resolution. Godly wisdom equips us as individuals with the skills to resolve conflicts in a peaceful and respectful manner. It encourages empathy and a willingness to understand their perspective, leading to a more harmonious interaction. James chapter 3, verses 17 through 18 says, But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Man, this helps us so much in our interaction with others. Amen? When we're faced with conflict, it gives us this wisdom. How do we respond? How do we react? Do we respond by keeping it real and losing our temper and showing people where we're really from? Right? Oh, you don't understand. Andrew always says he's, he's Puerto Rican, even though he's only half. He's, we're cousins. I'm not Puerto Rican. We're, we're, anyway. Because you know, Puerto Rican people are very proud of being Puerto Rican. And sometimes people use that as their justification for overreacting to a certain situation. You don't understand. I'm from Lulac Street. Right? Why y'all laugh? Come on now. My wife, she's from Robco, Robinson County. They, that's the same thing. They, they, people, this is funny. People are like this everywhere. People do this everywhere. They justify the um, unrighteous reactions that we have sometimes based on where they're from. Well, can we just, as believers, acknowledge now that we are no longer of this world, but we are from God? Amen. Like, that's not your identity any longer when you're a child of God. Now you're a child of God. Respond in wisdom in that way. Respond in wisdom, especially when faced with conflicts. The other area of life where godly wisdom has an effect for us is in our fulfillment and purpose in life. Amen? Seeking godly wisdom can help individuals discover their purpose and meaning in life. It encourages you to align your goals and ambition with a higher 
purpose, contributing to a sense of fulfillment and contentment. Proverbs 19.8 says, the one who gets wisdom loves life. Amen? You, you understand that? The one who gets wisdom loves life. The one who cherishes understanding will soon prosper. Whew, that's good. Wisdom, understanding lead to real prosperity. The fifth way that wisdom affects our lives is overcoming challenges. How many of you know that life is filled with challenging moments? There are challenges that get placed before us in life, and when we don't have wisdom, we're kind of left to try to figure things out on our own, and a lot of times when we're left to our own devices, we go down the wrong path. Godly wisdom provides a source of strength and resilience, enabling us to face adversity with courage and hope. Amen? James chapter 1, verse 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who generously... Um, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. And then we, I've already said this several times today, Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Amen? So when challenges are in front of us, we know with wisdom they're not going to destroy us. Amen? We can overcome challenges in life. As Christians, we can do hard things and come out victorious. Amen? The sixth area that wisdom affects in our life is our relationships. Godly wisdom promotes healthy and nurturing relationships. So much of the New Testament is about being focused on building up the body. Not cutting it down. Not tearing each other apart. Not criticizing one another. But instead, building each other up. Amen? Everybody should be a bodybuilder in here, building the body of Christ. We're not called to tear each other down. We're not called to criticize one another. We're not called to be the ones who humbles everybody for them. No, we're called to build each other up. Godly wisdom promotes that healthy kind of relationship, a nurturing kind of relationship, a relationship that emphasizes the love of God, a a relationship that emphasizes the forgiveness that God has given us, a perspective to be selfless whenever it comes to our relationships in life. This will then help us maintain strong bonds with family, with friends, and with the greater community. Amen? Godly wisdom teaches us this in Galatians chapter 6 verse 1. It says, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves or you may also be tempted. Gently. Don't leave, and and, and the the important thing to notice here is don't leave your fellow believer out in sin alone and just ignore them. It says, lead them back gently. Amen? Godly wisdom promotes healthy relationships. The other thing that godly wisdom promotes is a spiritual connection. Godly wisdom deepens your connection to your biblical faith and beliefs. Amen? 
It fosters a closer relationship with the Lord and encourages continual spiritual growth. James 4.8 says, come near to God and he will come near to you. Amen? The other area is an impact on society that godly wisdom affects. People who embody godly wisdom often contribute positively to their communities and society at large. They serve as role models, promoting values that enhance the well-being of others. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16 says, Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Amen? We are called to have an impact on society, and that comes through godly wisdom. Amen? The other thing is peace. Godly wisdom provides peace. Seeking godly wisdom leads to a sense of peace. It helps individuals navigate the challenges of life with a calm and centered mindset. Amen? What we read in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen? That is godly wisdom. The last thing that godly wisdom affects that I'm going to talk about today, this isn't the final list, it's just my last piece here, is your eternal perspective. Godly wisdom affects your eternal perspective. Godly wisdom offers an eternal perspective that goes beyond the temporal concerns of this world. It encourages a focus on matters of ultimate significance and prepares us for what comes after this life. Amen. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. The spiritual matters. Eternity. We have an eternal perspective when we have godly wisdom. Amen? If you'll stand with me here this morning.